You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Perfect 10. Uh, I am your host, Michael Cohen. This will be a brief introduction before we get right into the episode because you might hear it in my voice. It might be a little bit different from the way that I sound in the episode proper, but uh, I'm just getting over a little bit of a bug. So I'm going to be quick. Uh, I am just going to note that we've got a, we got a few new patrons over at patreon.com slash thunderquack. Um, so we, we are, we are part of the way on our way to hitting that 250 goal and getting to, uh, episodes every two weeks instead of every four weeks. So let's get there. $250 a month, uh, us and, uh, and, and I'll, and I'll start doing episodes every two weeks instead of every four weeks. That said, we have some really awesome guests lined up. I actually have some people, uh, already coming back around for another round of, of uh, talking about their perfect ten, but uh, but I'll tell you uh, on the schedule uh, currently next, although maybe not the next one that I record, but but definitely the next one that I have like an actual uh, set schedule for. Uh, we're going to be talking to my, my friend Steve Stebbing about Scott Pilgrim versus the World, uh, the the Edgar Wright movie which I'm really excited about. I love Scott Pilgrim. I love the comics. I love uh, the movie. I love the video game, the whole thing. So um, definitely, definitely high up there on the list of perfect tens for me. So that's going to be a fun one to talk about. And I, and, and like I said, we've got, we got some other people coming back in the near future. Um, and, uh, and, and then some other guests already lined up for, for, for the next little bit. So, uh, yeah, it's super exciting. And, and, you know, also welcome to all of the new listeners. There are a lot of you already. We've done, uh, you know what people like are cagey about their download numbers. I'm going to go ahead and be upfront about it. We've done about 2,500 downloads since I launched the show um, back in what was that August. So I, I, the majority of those numbers are actually from the last month. I uh, basically, since we did the episode with Ty, uh, with Ty Black from Wit and Folly, where we talked about a knight's tale and, the, and then the kingdom hearts episode, uh, with, with David, like those two episodes are, are the lion's share of, of the downloads so far, but I do see people going back and listening to the older ones as well. Um, it's really, really cool that, that, uh, that, that you're all checking this out. Hopefully you're coming back. Hopefully you're listening to all of the episodes, not just the one topic. And the thing that I'll say to you, if you just showed up for this one, cause, cause it's avatar here's, here's my pitch for listening to everything. The whole deal with this podcast is that it is me talking to my friends about stuff that they love. And so even if it's not something that you're super interested in, maybe it's a movie that you watched once and you thought was fine. Listening to somebody 
who love something talk about it, it like it's infectious it'll it will make you appreciate whatever that is even more so some of those things i don't think that's necessary ghostbusters i think everybody's got a pretty solid appreciation for ghostbusters but um but you know laura olympus uh the episode that he did with with uh, marie claire is a phenomenal episode and go go listen to that and then read laura olympus or read laura olympus and then listen to the episode whichever you choose either way do it I, uh, I, uh, yeah, like I said, a Knight's Tale, Kingdom Hearts, uh, this episode, we're going to talk about Avatar, uh, with, with, uh, Danielle and, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I just, I'm having so much fun doing the podcast. I'm really glad that people are resonating with it and that we're picking up new listeners, people who have, I mean, we had a solid base for coming from Thunderquack podcast quiver before that all the star wars podcasts that i've done um and we haven't done a star wars perfect 10 episode yet i've kind of been avoiding it to talk about other stuff and also it's not entirely up to me i talk i I get my guest first and then i ask them what they want to talk about and so far nobody nobody's interested in talking to me about star wars which is fantastic i love it but it's just really really cool to see all of the new people jumping on uh and uh and and listening to the podcast i will say to them uh go check out thunderquack.com check out all of the other podcasts in the network check out all the other stuff that i've done before um you might like some of it you might not i, I don't know i mean like look arrow's not for everybody so going back and listening to the back catalog of quiver uh yeah that's not that's not ideal <laughs> um and the same goes for rebel cells and and all of the other stuff so um, you know, if Star Wars isn't your cup of tea, if Arrow is not, then then stick around here. If you're just here for the one episode, then, I mean, thanks. Um, and what I'll do is I'll say, hey, uh, share it with a friend. Send it to somebody else who's who's really into Avatar. Um, or somebody who is maybe not as into Avatar as you would like them to be. And you want them to get really excited before Way of Water. So make them listen to this and make them, you know, listen to me and, and Danielle uh, talk about Avatar for uh an hour and a half almost two almost two hours it's almost it's two hours it's based this is a two-hour episode uh (laughs) when i add this onto it it'll be a two-hour episode so um yeah which i think will actually be our longest episode of perfect 10 yet so um and that's just by virtue of the fact that we were just going we were just talking about it and there was no there was no place to stop but yeah, I mean, if if uh, if you're enjoying the show, uh, even if you're just here for the one episode, thank you. Uh, leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Um, that really really helps other people find the show. Subscribe. Do me a favor. Just subscribe. You don't have to listen to every episode. It's like I subscribe to a bunch of podcasts, like like uh, uh, WTF with Mark Marin. I'm subscribed to that. I don't listen to every interview because not every interview is up my alley. So I delete a lot of them, but they download. <laughs> he gets the download number. Um, so yeah, do, th- do that. Help us out. Um, get those download numbers up and, uh, and, and then just stick around for the ones that you like. Um, and like I said, leave a rating and a review. Five star only, please. Uh, no, I, I, I kid, but also I don't. I, I, but thank you to everybody who's who's new. 
Um, and thank you to everybody who's returning and has been supporting us, especially our Patreon supporters. Uh, like we've got one of our Patreon producers, Brian Murowski, who's been with us forever, uh, helping us to produce the podcast with his uh, very generous contributions over at patreon.com slash thunderquack. So if you want that shout out, you can get that over at patreon.com slash thunderquack. Uh, if you want to get the episodes early, if you want to get um, the bonus content, in particular, uh, one of the one of the best pieces of bonus content I think that we've got is the Perfect Ten Pop Quiz that uh, that Tim does for us uh, every every episode with a top ten, I, I, a ten trivia questions about our Perfect Ten, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean they're they're fantastic. It's, it's so funny because we produce the episode and then he does the trivia separately. So uh, like 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 he does not listen before uh, he he writes his trivia questions and for every episode so far his trivia questions sync up perfectly with the episode so like if you listen to the episode and then you go do the trivia you'll feel real good about yourself if you're paying attention because you'll you'll have all the answers I I think so far that's kind of been the case and maybe there's been like two or three questions that haven't been covered in the episode proper. So, uh, yeah, uh, Tim's just crushing it over there. And that is a, a Patreon uh, uh, perk over 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 at patreon.com slash thunderquack. That's the last time I'm going to say it. Awesome. Without further ado, I said this was going to be short. It's now I've been talking for almost 10 minutes. This episode is with one of my absolute favorite people in the world to podcast with, Danielle, and uh, she's been on uh, uh, Faster, More Intense, which is now Forced Perspectives. She's been on a few episodes. She did a Mando uh, recap episode with me. We did an episode where we talked about how I became a Raylo and her role in that uh, in that whole ordeal. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and then most recently we did we she was on the first episode of Force Perspectives to talk about her Star Wars journey, and uh, yeah, she's just an awesome person. She's uh, she's she's got great enthusiasm for the stuff that she loves, and it comes through in this one. So we, we talk a lot about Avatar and what's great about it, um, and what we're looking forward to in the new one, um, and all of that. So I uh, like I said, without further ado, here we go. Uh, here's Avatar with Danielle. Okay, let's let's get into it. Uh, I am joined uh, for the first time on Perfect Ten, but once again on a podcast uh, by Danielle. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Talking about this, I'm excited. I we we scheduled this a while ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like we kind of first started talking about it a long time ago. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think probably when you were on Force Perspectives, which you were the first guest on that, and and it was like, okay, we did that. Now you got to come on Perfect Ten. Yep. And <laughs> what that's gonna be, and uh, and and you said you said Avatar, and I was like. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but then i was like you know what the sequel's coming out yeah uh, 13, 13 years after the original <laughs> the sequel <laughs> is finally coming out um it was just about to be re-released in in the theater so that that puts 
that puts it into perspective of when we first had this conversation versus recording now at yeah. the end of November. Because that was what? That was the end of August, I think, or beginning of September that, that the re-release happened. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, October, either tail end of September or early October. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and so I was like, you know what? Like, I need to get hyped for uh, The Way of Water. I Because I, I just wasn't feeling it at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But I, I, but but I know that that Avatar is hugely important to you. I remember being like blown away by it back right. in two thousand and nine. So it was like have have the intervening years and the memes and the jokes and the <laughs> fact that it's been thirteen years has that all kind of like colored my opinion and and am I wrong about sure. Avatar? So yeah, let's. Let's do it. Let's get into it. And your enthusiasm. This is the whole point of Perfect Ten, right? Right. This is what I like for me in in the five episodes we've done so far. And now this one, it's like the 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 joy that's contained in this podcast is that I'm getting my friends to come on and talk about a thing that they love. Mm hmm. And that's like, that's the core concept, right? Is like, hey, you got a thing that you love that you think is a is just a perfect masterpiece. Come talk to me about it on a podcast. <laughs> and that, that enthusiasm and that joy, uh, I think, is what comes across in the show. And I, uh, I, and so like, my hope is that for those of us who are like, kind of meh on Avatar all these years later, um, that, that this can bring those feelings back up to the surface in advance of, of this new one, which like, Hey, it looks fantastic. It like, like visually speaking, it looks incredible. Yeah. So at least on that ticket sold, right? right? Um, the story, who knows, who knows which way it'll go, but sure. um, I mean, I think it'll be competent no matter what, but I, uh, I, but really it's about getting back into that world and into that vibe and, and, mm-hmm. and all of that, right? So, so I'm really excited to talk to you about the original Avatar. Yeah, and get into it, uh, and uh, and 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 hopefully bring back some of those 2009 <laughs> feeling. I uh, just hey, so just to put everybody in the in the right frame of mind for when this movie came out, 2009. So yeah. we're talking about um, uh, post Dark Knight, but before the Dark Knight Rises. Okay, so that puts mm-hmm. it there. Yeah. Uh, we have one, one, uh, two movies in the MCU, but we don't really count the Incredible Hulk because uh, <laughs> Edward Norton ruined it, right? So we've got we have one Iron Man movie. Okay, we don't have, uh, we don't even have the sequel. We don't even have Iron Man two. We don't have Captain America. Chris Evans hasn't even been cast as Captain America yet, right? Chris Hemsworth, not Thor yet. We don't yeah. even know that that's coming. So that's the world that we're living in. Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Maybe Edward Norton will be back one day as the Hulk. But that's t- t- TBD at this point in time. Uh, <laughs> there hasn't been a Star Wars movie in over five years, right? Like I, I Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and there's not going to be another one. Actually, that's not entirely true. There was a Star Wars movie a year before this, but it was an animated Star Wars movie, and it doesn't really count because it is just four episodes of a TV show stitched together and released as a film. Um, 
Oh, the, so like, the Clone Wars one. Yeah. The Clone Wars. Yeah. So yeah. that's the like that's the world we're living in. Like we're we're a year into uh actually I mean because like this is uh Avatar was like early in two thousand and nine, right? So we haven't even I don't think we've even finished the first season of the Clone Wars at this point. So like like season one of Clone Wars, go back and watch it. It's a far cry from the later stuff. Still great. My favorite episode is mm-hmm. the first season, Trespass. But but um, what Clone Wars would become and what we think of it as now is not what it was in 2009 when right. Avatar comes out, right? So yeah. I think like if you sort of like put all of that stuff into perspective, um, yeah, I mean like 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 I don't know has has First Class come out yet? I don't even know if X Men First Class has happened when that where we are in the x-men movies but the spider-man movies uh, you know they they're all over the place at this point like film was a different landscape right mm-hmm. um and 3d was a gimmick until this movie came out. and then yeah. avatar changed the game right so we've talked about so i think i've set the scene i've, I've set the time <laughs> and place I, now I want you to run us through what exactly is Avatar, uh, Blue Cat Avatar, not Avatar: The Last Airbender. <laughs> what if I prepared for the wrong thing? And you're like, no, no, no. I want to talk about Avatar: The Last Airbender. It's oh, uh, 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 okay. Hard pivot. No, a- a- Avatar with the Blue Cat people, Pandora, Unobtainium, uh, ex- the Squad Mech Suits. That's a nice '90s callback. Um, <laughs> I get, okay, your turn. Go. I, I mean, yeah. So, um, in two thousand and nine, Avatar was released, and pretty much the only things you knew was it was a James Cameron film, written and directed by him. Um, the last time you ever heard anything about him was Titanic was a huge success, <laughs> um, and then the only other thing you knew about Avatar was. Avatar The Last Airbender, which was an awesome show on Nickelodeon. That was really it. Uh, And then you're shown, you know, a trailer with blue cat people, and that's about it. Um, What it really is about, though, is a ex-Marine who is... I don't know if you've seen the special editions or not, but essentially he is tired of life, uh, essentially... um, Earth has gone the way of essentially Blade Runner. It's run down. It's neon signs, rain, misery. Um, you know, he's living in a tiny, like, efficiency apartment, which is all made of concrete. Um, and as he's getting tossed out of a bar into the rain, you find that um, his brother has died. And we're very quickly given the exposition of his brother was a well-off scientist who worked for a corporation on an extraterrestrial planet in some secret program that was extremely expensive. He takes the deal to take his brother's shoes and it is to essentially uh, mentally run a uh, genetically engineered uh, alien, blue cat alien um, through a mind link. And the point is, is that they, humanity has gone to this planet this moon actually um in the alpha centauri system and which i think they said takes about like four or six years to get there and he is to 
try and persuade the natives of the moon um, to essentially let these human aliens come and mine up their ground um, for this mineral, which is expertly named unobtainium. <laughs> now, which, granted, if Avatar gets called out for that stupid, um, but it's actually a name for various materials in science yeah. fiction. Um, it's, so, a, it's, a, it's not a specific mineral. They, they act like unobtainium is a specific material. Right. Uh, but unobtainium is a classification of minerals. Correct. Which I, I mostly refers to, just from the scientific perspective, uh, it mostly refers to uh, uh, extraterrestrial I, I compositions so things that are on our planet only by virtue of the fact that asteroids and meteorites have slammed into the earth so mm. actually vibranium in the mcu is unobtainium <laughs> because <laughs> because we only have what we have and and we can't get more the, it's not a naturally occurring uh, uh, mineral on our planet right mm-hmm. so that's that's why it, when we it, from a scientific uh, uh, lens when the word unobtainium is used that's what it's referring to mm-hmm. um and then and then in this they're like it was it's like somebody said that to james cameron once and he was and then he like wrote it into a script like 20 years later and <laughs> didn't bother to like look it back up he was like unobtainium's a thing i'll i'll call it unobtainium right <laughs> Um, but he like like this is the thing he the approach to it was a george lucas approach we're just going to call it unobtainium. Instead of giving it a made-up name, right? It's uh, it, we'll just refer to it as unobtainium, mm-hmm. um, and that and that and that'll be that. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> but whatever. They could have just called it Pandora, right? And it would have been fine. But yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Continue. Um, uh, sure, sure. Uh, so anyway, uh, our main lead, Jake Sully, um, he is assigned to the science team there, mainly as like a military escort um, due to his background in the military. Uh, But very quickly, uh, he is separated from the scientific team, um, chased by very vicious wildlife and is stumbled upon um, by one of the natives of Pandora called the Navi. and after saving his butt from being eaten alive by what's essentially <laughs> space jackals, um, she is given a sign um, by their deity that this guy might be special. Please don't kill him. Um, so yeah. she decides to take him in um, to visit her mother and father, whom of which are the clan's war chief and spiritual leader. And uh, they decide whether or not to kill him. Um, but it is actually the, uh, the mother, the main female lead, Natiri, um, her mother, who is the spiritual leader, um, decides to give him a chance, uh, simply because instead of being a scientist who thinks they know everything and is trying to civilize the Navi people. Now she sees that he's pretty much a, you know, someone who's useless and empty and could use some tutoring of his own. And her war chief father um, realizes that he, they've never ran into someone who is considered a warrior class. Um, so this means that they're not just poking their nose in somebody else's business. They might bring war along with them. Um, and so they keep him pretty much to study 
and to see if they can cure him of his uh, human ways and also to see just how um, dangerous he could be. And of course, over the span of three months, um, you know, he went from going to humanity sucks, but I'm here to do a job to here's a whole new way of living, a whole new way of experiencing life. And there's a lot more to it than I had thought. There's actually some value into the way these people live, the way they see the world. And, um, you know, of course, you know, it helps to have a pretty Navi warrior showing you how to do everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously you get attracted in that respect. But, um, you know, it comes down to, okay, well, here are the humans. They finally show up three months later. Uh, we're here to dig everything up. And Jake, through Natiri and the um, Omatikaya tribe, uh, realized that, you know, it's not the rocks in the ground that have value. It's, it's the um, value of life and of culture um, that has real meaning. And so he ends up choosing to fight for that instead. And um, the old trope of turning on your own kind to uh, protect this new clan that you're now identifying with. And so it pretty much comes down to the classic human versus uh, indigenous tribe to save the land. And um, in this case, uh, you know, the, the Navi end up winning um, thanks to Deus Ex Machina a la Ewa, their goddess, um, who Jake so conveniently asked for help. Um, <laughs> and, and in the end, you know, they end up sending the human corporation packing back to space. Yeah. And that's it. And, and, and the nice twist is, is that their nature goddess has the ability to take human consciousness and transfer it into these genetically grown Navi. How convenient. Um, <laughs> so that, you know, Jake in the end can truly be one of the Navi people. And so that's where James Cameron ends it. Um, uh, you know, on a nice uplifting note. Um, but he had always envisioned, envisioned it as, you know, there's more to it. He wrote it because he, he had no idea whether the story was going to go anywhere or not or resonate or not. But in the back of his mind, he always had the inkling of there is more to tell. Um, I just don't know if I'll get that chance. And obviously, uh, with The Way of Water, um, the second film of five planned uh, comes out December 16th. So obviously, we'll get to see a whole lot more. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I, I think critically when the movie came out, it was sort of met with, with these, these reviews of like, wow, this is such an accomplishment. This is such a triumph. And everybody kind of ignored the story at the time right. and just really, just really focused on the, the digital world, the digital characters and creatures, um, and uh, and and obviously the 3D technology was such a big part of the conversation mm -hmm. um, that I think to its detriment, because it was such a technical achievement, because it is. And mm -hmm. and to be honest, like like I just saw it in the theater car. I took Cara um, 
she did not like the the you know like the first act is awesome i think of this movie the second yeah. act drags a little bit um as and uh, it's actually not even a three act story that's that's one of the bigger things is that it is a five actor which mm-hmm. which most people really have a hard time just be i think by nature of the fact that we have been trained via star wars right with react yeah just like the three act structure is the three act structure is the three act structure and and Mm -hmm. between star wars and then um network television yeah we were it was really drilled into us that three act is the best way to tell a story i think three act is the easiest way to tell a story right Um, well james cameron had actually said upon you know being asked that question he said that you know it was the the three act is the standard formula and everybody knows that um and he had tried it but he said every time he writes a script they always end up being in four acts every single Mm. one and so he's like that's just me (laughs) so oh okay so there there you go so that i bet you anything that that's probably where the disconnect with the story is is Mm. that he's writing a he's trying to write a three-act story he's ending up with a fourth act what he's fighting against is the fact that like a five-act story is actually probably like for for my money five-act stories tend to be some of the richest uh, uh, most uh, developed types of stories that you can get. And like, it's funny, the prequels, the star Wars prequels, all, all three of them are actually five act stories and not three act stories, which the original trilogy are all three act stories. And so people go into the prequels going like, I want a three act fast paced star Wars movie. And then George (laughs) Lucas is like, no, no, these are Shakespeare. And and people are like, people are like, wait, what? You can't make new Shakespeare. That's not allowed. And George (laughs) Lucas is like, it's Shakespeare in space. Try and stop me. Right. And I (laughs) think that, I think that if James Cameron had maybe embraced the fact that he was he was actually telling a five act story, and I, I re- reference Shakespeare because I think Shakespeare was the master of the five act story, mm-hmm. um, like that structure. To me, I mean, like like the number five in Shakespeare is you know it's iambic pentameter, so everything is in those beats of five, and then it's a five act structure and five 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 five, five all the way down. Right. Um, and and. Uh, uh, I think if you lean into that, you can get a really, really great story out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, if this is actually like fighting against a five act structure and not fitting into a three act structure and you end up with four acts, it it that explains why that that third act, which is actually the second half of the second act in a three act, if you try and break this into three, um, is so difficult to get through because what you get is we get to the planet and we establish the world right and then mm-hmm. and then Jake gets separated so that that goes up until the 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 um the Pandoran jaguar I'm, I just I don't know the names of the actual animals so it's like the one that's like a jaguar right like the that, Thanatar the yes the Thanatar thank you the Thanatar chase and he gets separated right that's mm-hmm. the end of the first act yeah. act who starts with the the jackals and then Natiri and then him um, being a, a, not accepted into the tribe, but like 
Um, well, no, I guess it goes all the way through to him being accepted into the tribe, right? Yeah, and I mean, you I- could break it up to introduction, being lost, yeah. getting lost, and then uh, learning and being accepted. That's your second one. Yeah. So up to the point where he's part yeah. of the people. And then um, being outcasted. So he tells them, hey, your house is going to get blown up. They get mad yeah. at him. They tie him up. And then all the way up to... Um, you know, everything falling apart for him and deciding yeah. that he needs to find uh, the great Leonoptrix, Taruk, and deciding to ride him. And then, you know, your fourth and final end is, okay, now I'm using this cultural icon to win the day sort of situation. Wait, see, see, in, in that, you just skipped over the most boring part of the movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the, um, like, like, when when it all falls apart right yeah i i which is usually this the end of the second act but in this story is kind of weirdly tight we already had an end of us of the second act when everything falls apart with the with with the 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 navi right but then mm-hmm. he goes he ends up back with the humans and everything falls apart with the humans as well and he like he, they have to break him out and and move the thing and like all like all of that happens and so it's like you have you kind of have act two ending twice yeah. And because of that, it's like that that's the part of the movie where um like it's not bad, but I think like that's where you lose people. Um mm-hmm. and and it's like the, those extra beats in there that before we get to the third act, before we get to the, the climax of the story. Um that they like that's where you lose the kids honestly like that to me like that's the thing because that's where where it lost Kara is like she was like 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 tuned out uh, like the whole um when we go back to the to the human base and he's been you know like uh, uh thrown into the brig sort of thing and they got to go and break him out and all of that stuff she was just like not interested right. not interested at all um but then, but then, when you get to the to the 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 sorry, what what's the big one? What's the great the uh, the great Leonoptrix? The great Leonoptrix yeah. <laughs> is the human term. Turuk yeah. is the Navi term. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I so you get to that part, and then all of a sudden she was back in, right? Um, yeah. And she's she, <laughs> she she's she's sensitive. I uh, and so she didn't like the war stuff she was Mm. always every time that an animal was getting hurt she was upset by it but then (laughs) but this is the thing this is the beauty of the story is that that's exactly how she's supposed to feel and she was saying that to me she was like we're in the theater and there's only like five other people in this theater so we're we're chit-chatting a little bit quietly um i and she's like i don't i don't like i don't like that the animals are getting hurt and and I'm like, yeah, no, I know it's no good. Like, like I, I, you know, when they knock over the tree and all that stuff, she like, like she was like, I don't like this. I don't like this movie, right? Right. All that, like in the Navi or the dying and stuff like that, and it's like it's very traumatic and 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 it's like the tragic part of the story, right? The right. first end of Act Two, uh, <laughs> and then and then I I. I, or maybe maybe that happens after. I don't remember now, but I, yeah, the the tree is is pretty much like the beginning so getting kicked out of the navi yeah. is like the beginning of act three and then yeah. getting kicked out of or escaping the brig is like the end of act three yeah yeah <laughs> um 
so but then when the animals come to save the day it's it was so good because it's such a great moment in the movie like it really is like the emotional climax of the film it's like oh like the battle starts the the navi are winning and you're like yeah like like take them down and then the 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 humans like the the tide turns in in the battle right and the humans start to win and you're like oh no they it, like like their spirit be damned it doesn't matter like the the technology is just overwhelming mm. but then you start to hear the rumble right it's like it's like everything's going to hell it's like order 66 around here right like every everybody is just getting wasted uh, <laughs> and we're seeing characters that we care about die and i i we're worried for some of them. And then you start to hear the rumble and Kara mm-hmm. like, like, like put her hand on my arm and she was like, they're coming. <laughs> and I was like, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, cause I know what's about to happen. Right. I'm right. like, yeah, he, he, he talked to the spirit of the, of the, of the, the moon. And, and uh, I, I, you know, like the animals are going to come save them. Right. Right. But she doesn't know that yet. She's experiencing all of this for the first time, which is the best part of having kids. It's the best part is experiencing <laughs> these amazing things again for the first time in life. Um, and that like that rumble starts and she's like, it's it, they're coming. And I'm and I was like, what, what what's going on? Right. Like just faking it like like, well, oh, no, what's gonna along, happen? yeah. Yeah. And she's like, she's like the 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 planet's going to save them. The oh. animals are going to come and save them. And then, like two seconds later, you get like that that stampede of the 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 rhinoceros ones, uh-huh. uh, and uh, and she's like she's like see see and like she was like back in she was like yeah this is awesome and that's like again when the when the when the tide turns back in the favor of Pandora and right. the Navi and everything, but then it gets deflated again for her when all of a sudden now Jake and Natiri have to fight. Um, the uh, Quaritch, uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Quaritch in, in the in the mech, right? Right. I, I and it just like that fight just goes on for way longer than it needs to, and it's like, granted, Stephen Lang, like oh, a top tier performance. Like, <laughs> what a villain, right? Like, right. Just, just you know, like I, yeah, well, hey, you and I have talked a lot about redeemable villains and and uh, enemies yeah. to lovers and you know the sort of stuff that we like to see in a in a story. This is a really great example of a character that does not need to be redeemed. <laughs> right. um, some sometimes villains are in the story to show us the worst side, right? Like like yep. like how yeah. how bad can we be? And and defeating them involves. You know, like it defeating that dark side of ourselves, which for for Jake, right? This is from a from a, as as MC would say, right? As Marie Claire would yeah. say, uh, like from a mythic perspective, in order for Jake to 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 complete his hero's journey, like he's got to defeat that darker part of himself, right? Yeah, um, I, I I mean, really, you know, you think, especially when Jake first meets Quaritch, you know, they're very, obviously, Quaritch is of a higher rank than Jake was at one point, but it's very much, we're on the same level, we know, you know, we know the speak of how to speak to each other, we know what's involved in this thing, we know that 
the these natives are beneath us. We eventually we're just gonna have to shove them off to the side. And and at first Jake's like, "Yep, I know the drill." You know, he even mentions you know fighting in Venezuela was so difficult, mm-hmm. but you made it out for the most part. Yeah, um, yeah. And so now he has changed so drastically from the "I don't care who I'm killing, it's just a job," to you know facing off against a shadow of his former self. And when he says, you know, how do you feel betraying your own kind? And, you know, he does like the cat hiss back sort of thing. It's, it's, I, I have shed myself of this, you know, not only personality, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I have chosen to be better. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, I, 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 I love the the, I mean, and people sort of made fun of it after the movie came out because I, I think, I think kind of it earned it earned its stripes in this respect because like the fandom of Avatar because there were a few people that in my opinion took it a little bit far, right? Uh, cosplay is awesome. I think that cosplay <laughs> is one of the best parts of fan culture, but. But there were some people who were like, who like, like, I mean, clearly Cameron like struck a chord right. with, with society because the movie was huge and some people really like lived in it in right. a very literal sense. And they took the messages to heart and um, so maybe, maybe kind of misinterpreted what, what the, what the end goal of the message was and mm-hmm. decided that they were going to paint themselves blue and go live in the forest. <laughs> and so the conversation, and this is so unfortunate to, in, from my perspective, I, because the message of the movie, I think is a very important message. Um, and, and I mean, it's a message that, that we've gotten in a ton of movies, sure. which was one of the other things that sort of colored the conversation in, mm-hmm. in the long term. But but I think that the way it was presented, the 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 story itself and the 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 plot devices that that Cameron chose to employ in order to get the, that story across, I think we're all really genius. But mm-hmm. but maybe a little bit too much because it because these people like they took it that next step. And like, kind of missed the point. It's not. It's not that you know, if you're a blue cat person, that you're somehow better. It's right. that it's it's that connection to the world around us and learning to live uh, with it, as opposed to like uh, right. uh, the adversarial relationship we tend to have with nature um, right. as yeah. human beings. And I say that as somebody who very much loves technology. Uh, and and in my day job, I do work for a company, a company that facilitates mining. So it's like, like I have a, I have a perspective on this that uh, I, I, <laughs> you know, you know, it, it like, like, I, the, Hey, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if it weren't for things like mining. So we That's do have, it's, it's a necessity for life in mm. the way that we've, developed but but then like the flip side of that is like we need to be responsible and we need to be respectful i think like those are the two most important things i in in those processes right so 
everything I do in relation to the mining industry in my day job, I try and infuse those ideologies into it so mm-hmm. that, so that, you know, we're, we're mostly a media comp- media and tech company. So it's like, you know, I don't really have that much influence on the way that decisions are made, but, but if I can, right. I try and steer it in that direction. Right. And, and that those are like lessons learned from things like, like avatar. So I, I look at it and it's like, like, you know, humanity obviously um, requires these things to a certain degree in order for us to, to live in the comfort that, that we crave. But at the same time, it's like, like the message is meant to be, and it's a shame that that extra stuff is cut out of the movie. The stuff that really shows you what earth was. Yeah. Um, And that when you see the theatrical cut that we just, we just go straight into, we're on the, the, the spaceship sort of thing um yeah and we don't we don't really get to see earth all that much um if at all i mean i think in the theatrical cut do we see earth at all Uh, no i mean all you really see is just him in the morgue watching his brother's body get burned and then him when he's speaking with awa he mentions you know look into grace's memories um there's you know they we killed our mother there's no green there and that's literally it. That's the only bit of information about what state of Earth is in. Um, whereas the deleted footage in the special edition, you know, definitely shows, yeah. like I said, how run down Blade Runner it is. Yeah, yeah. And and I think I, I, I think that it's a shame that that's not in there because it does. I remember watching that when the Blu-ray or with the DVD. <laughs> yeah. Again, a very long time ago. Yep, when the DVD yep. came out, I'm watching, watching the, the extended stuff. I think I maybe even rented it from a blockbuster. Whoa! Uh, I, to watch that because I don't own Avatar, so it mu- if I've watched that, either somebody else brought it over or or I rented it uh, to watch the special features or whatever. Old school. Um, yeah, and I uh, yeah that that maybe I watched YouTube clips at some point, but I mm. there's always yeah that. like that that extra framing I think is super important in seeing that. Yeah. Like, like what what humanity has done to earth and like they 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 imply the venezuela stuff and and all that and it's like but the 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 real messaging of that is that like oh well you know like like venezuela is very resource rich uh mm-hmm. and uh, i mean lots of south america is very resource rich and obviously pandora is very um jungle amazon uh, uh in its inspiration right um, yep or at least at least the, the the part of Pandora that 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 we see in in this first movie is, yeah. is very much that way. Um, and so, you know, like like the we're supposed to draw a direct correlation between those two things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I think what well, here's the here's one of the issues in 2009. Yeah, I, I think people, the people big didn't thing know is... Venezuela. So, so go, go ahead. Go ahead. True. No, I was going to say the big thing is, you know, not to go live in the forest per se, but like I, the, the one thing that comes to my mind in particular is, you know, in, in this film, you know, we're talking about don't mine up the earth and blow up somebody's tree house just to steal what's underneath its roots. Um, obviously that is bad, but even like for modern day examples, you can think of at least here in America, you know, we're, we're constant for years now. We're always trying to uh, build new pipelines for gas and, and, you know, natural oils. And more often than not, we're running it through native tribal land 
And so they're mm-hmm. constantly, you know, trying to fight back in the best legal way possible or, you know, staging, um, uh, you know, petitions and um, picketing outside where they're supposed to be building uh, and, and getting arrested for it, even though it's their land and it's their right. Um, big, te- you know, big companies have the weight to silence them for it. And and so that's your big correlation of, you know, instead of respecting their rights and their land and, you know, the fact that they don't want to have their water poisoned or they consider their land sacred and spiritual or the river spiritual, you know, these companies are like, well, you know, that's nice. And that's ho- hokey religion. Um, and then to just do it anyway. Um, so that's that's the message you're really supposed to be taking. You know, these these people's views and these people's religion are important to respect and to keep. And, you know, maybe they have a point. And should we just, you know, if we have to have this pipeline, can we not build it somewhere else where, you know, nobody's living or, you know, it's not going to poison the land or the water? That's the type of modern day message that should be taken from a film like this not to paint yourself blue or go in the forest (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah 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 it's it's a it's a i i I, and i think a lot of that gets lost on people i think it does yeah i I think a lot of like the, the 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 finer points of the message and then everybody just goes oh it's just it's just high, high res, expensive fern gully, and yeah. says stupid stuff. Like, I mean, like, it, look, we're Star Wars fans, right? So we know that all it takes <laughs> is one idiot review, right? I, I, and then all of a sudden, all of the other, I, I, like, I, I, ne- negative, you know, like uh, edge lords and whatever, right. have their have their talking point, right? And I think that's one of the things that happened with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I say that being fully guilty of it at a certain point, um, and and just being like, yeah, like, but to me, at a certain point, it became less about like like criticizing the film itself, but just like more so criticizing James Cameron of like, man, you had a moment. Like you had, you had all of us, which like, like so many filmmakers would kill for that opportunity once in their career, much less multiple times. And like, like Terminator, right? Mm. I, I, Aliens, I, even Titanic. I mean, we're never going to get a sequel to Titanic, (laughs) but like, but you've like, you got us and then, and you tell us that there are going to be sequels. But then, mm-hmm. like, you just can't execute. You just can't pull the trigger. Um, and it takes 13 years. And so right. by the time that you're talking about it again, and then you're saying, oh, there's going to be four more movies. It's going to be five movies in total. Or is there five sequels? But whatever. Like, yeah. uh, I, it's like, I, th- guy, I think it's too late for this to be meaningful. Right. Um, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit like an accidental top gun maverick situation where it's like top mm-hmm. gun maverick it's like top gun comes out and it's it's a perfect movie i i and and it's fantastic and it's a moment in time and it's uh, i mean you know like there's some uh, i i warmongering aspects of it and some uh, <laughs> recruitment 
propaganda uh, things in there. But but put that aside for a second, like from a, from a storytelling perspective, it's effective in doing those things because it is such a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and and we leave it alone. We we leave it alone for so long. And but then eventually. I, I, Joseph Kaczynski is like, I think I got another story in this. And Tom Cruise is like, really? And, uh, and trust him because oblivion is a fantastic film. I, I, you know, and, um, and so we go back to that well and, and tell more story because a story comes out of that organically, but with, with avatar, my, my fear is that, um, maybe at the time like 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 the, there was an organic sequel then but mm-hmm. now is it gonna feel that way or is it gonna feel like it's a little bit forced you know um well i have i have two points to those statements yeah. and i think that'll clear it so the first point is it's fern Gully and dances with wolves well yeah yeah yes is the short answer but I don't have a problem with that because I adore both those films. I mean, for heaven's sake, Dances with Wolves won a ton of awards. Um, But the thing is, is that, yes, in in a simple way it is, but this is also, it's not just those two films. It's other films um, Mm -hmm. that may be less known or, or books that have very similar themes. So the question you have to ask yourself is, why do we keep retelling yeah. this same story that should point to you that there is something deep down in our psyche or, or in our way of life that feels wrong and that needs to be corrected. And the yeah. only way in order to identify or, or understand or um, relate to that is through these type of stories and they would not be popular or, and getting retold if it didn't strike deep down within us. Um, the other thing, too, is that I know Fern Gully was released in 1992. Dances with Wolves was in 1993. James Cameron is, you know, an environmentalist, a naturalist, an explorer in and of himself. So these topics are important to him. Um, but the big thing that Fern Gully played off of was the big thing in the early 90s was, um, you know, the rainforest provides a huge portion of the Earth's oxygen. And it's being just cut and burned um, without thought or consequence and so not only what does that do for biodiversity what does it do for the people of brazil what does it do for the earth as a whole let's bring attention to this in this cute little kids movie because our kids are our future Mm -hmm. that that was the thing i was sold as a small child watching fern gully same thing with dances with wolves you know this was once you know a culture in america that for the most part got wiped out without consideration and you know these this tribe is important their values are important um and and so let's shed light on that and so as he as he was writing the script this pandora in and of itself and the blue people um the navi came to cameron as a dream i think he said he was about 19 and then he got the idea of like hey this could be a film in 1993 um right around when jurassic park came out um and you know thanks to ilm doing the digital effects for jurassic park he was like hey maybe you know technology is 
to where I could do this. Now, eventually he decided this isn't going to be a thing for quite some time um, until he saw Lord of the Rings Two Towers uh, and what Weta Digital could do with Andy Serkis and Gollum and the motion capture leaps and bounds done that way. And then, um, you know, decided, okay, maybe this is a thing I can actually bring to fruition. And then started really... Um, writing, I think he said he had about 80 pages worth of script in 2005 when he got, um, you know, Fox to secure the funding for it. And by then, you know, to tie it into George Lucas, George Lucas had shown off what he could do with, you know, the prequel trilogy. I think that's when um, Revenge of the Sith came out. And so he had more to work with. And so Cameron came to Industrial Light and Magic and Weta and said, this is how much I have to work with. This is the ideas I have. This is what I want to do. Can we do it? Let's build. If we can't, then let's build it in order to make it. And so that's what they came up with, you know, in from that 2005 literally putting feet to floor sort of situation and then having it come out in 2009. And, and so, you know, your, your second point of, has it been too long since the original? And my answer I think is no, honestly, because he's doing the exact same thing. You know, he's, he's seen the strides that movies like Marvel have been able to do with CG. He knows that motion capture has only gotten better since he tinkered with it. And, um, you know, some other movies have done a lot of underwater shots. He's, you know, big fan of exploring undersea. We obviously got to learn about that when he was working (laughs) with Titanic. Um, and so again, it was, you know, just like George Lucas wanted to push technology, um, with you know the prequels he wanted to do that if he was going to continue this story and like i said you know is this a story of you know being retold of you know technology against nature i mean that's a story that in a way you know you could you could say that um tolkien was telling with Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, it's, you know, it's still to this day a story that needs to be told. Now that, um, you know, we're having the chip shortage, um, you know, with vehicles and, and computers and all the machinery that we need, electric vehicles. So now we're digging up lithium in countries that we otherwise had no desire to deal with. It's still relevant. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, even all these years later after the original, because he has something to still tell and has new technology to throw at it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, yeah. yeah. I, the, the, the whole, um, cause we, cause we hear this with, with so many things. Um, the like, Oh, this is just X with this different thing. And it's like, um, <clears throat> I like it when people compare things to star Wars and like mm-hmm. use Star Wars as a baseline and then say, well, this is just <laughs> Star Wars, but you did blah, blah, blah. They did that a lot with um, with John Carter, right? Like when yeah. that movie came out, that was one of the things like, this is just like Star Wars, but blah, blah. And it's like, well, if you knew anything about Star Wars, you would know that actually there's a lot in John Carter that is like the movie John Carter that is borrowed from Star Wars because it's the snake eating its own tail. Yeah. Like, 
Star Wars is inspired by Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon is inspired by A Princess of Mars, which is the original Edgar Rice Burroughs story that becomes John Carter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a lot of John Carter of, of, of A Princess of Mars in Avatar uh, because A Princess of Mars is, first of all, it's one of the very first sci-fi stories, right? Like, like mm-hmm. first real like science fiction. Um, so it's certainly... To me, like, I think it's the first sort of like space opera sci-fi fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is the template that then Star Wars ends up being built on. And and Avatar does, takes a little bit more of a scientific approach to explaining the fantasy. But it is, there is absolutely a fantasy element in this story. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, like there is a force there is like like these these elements of it so like it it borrows a lot of that but but the the like right down to the the soldier goes to another world and is adopted by that the the indigenous people of that world and ends up becoming their leader right like that <laughs> that is the story of john carter that is a princess of mars is like he literally like he goes there he he you know meets the princess and the princess which Neytiri is the princess of this tribe for yep. lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, like her, her parents are the leaders of the tribe. Yeah. I, I, and falls in love and be, and then becomes the leader of that, of that world. And Andrew Stanton ends up, I, uh, I, uh, in, in, in John Carter developing out like, I, uh, uh, Zodanga as like destroying the planet, which really there's just, they're, they're just warring factions in the original story, but, but he gives it a little bit more of like, Oh, they're the ones who've destroyed the planet. And, and, uh, and, and, and that's very, like, it's very similar. It's so similar in the, like, like there is like a nature living with nature and harmony versus, you know, uh, devouring and, and conquering and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like so much of that is the same and so much like star Wars is not original, right? right? People are like, I can't, why can't people come up with original concepts like star Wars anymore? And it's like, there's nothing original about star Wars. <laughs> Absolutely. 0% of star Wars is an original concept come up with by George Lucas. And people will be like, but what about the Jedi and the force? He literally took the force from Taoism. It's mm-hmm. like it like it's a like there are religions on our planet that are based in those ideologies, right? Like he, yeah. like Eastern philosophy is the force. The Jedi are just warrior monks that that tap into it. The magic part of it is 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 the twist, but it's all they're all just twists. And those twists come from other places because like Obi-Wan is Gandalf. Like Obi-Wan yeah. is Gandalf. Like like not oh Obi-Wan's the same archetype. No, no, no. George Lucas has said that when he cast you uh, uh Ewan McGregor, when he cast Alec Guinness, Guinness and yeah. they had those conversations, it was like, I'm thinking this is like a Gandalf character. And Alec Guinness was like, I think I can do that. <laughs> right? Like, and that's <laughs> yeah. what comes across. And so, like, then years later, uh Ian McKellen plays Gandalf and people are like well, this is just Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's like, no, <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi is just Gandalf in space, you guys. Right. Um, and so it's like, it's just like any time these conversations come up, no, that's not to say that there are not derivative works. There are absolutely derivative works out there. And there are mm-hmm. things that do a, like, here's the difference between homage or pastiche and, and a derivative work. A derivative work is soulless. 
it does it because it looks at a thing that's cool and goes, I want to be cool too, which is why like, you know, like, like everybody went through a phase in their life. Usually when we're like, sort of like that tween, those tween years where we haven't mm. really discovered our own personality. So we just find a personality and we try and ape that. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And you look back at yourself and like, then we now in the year 2022, we would call it cringe. Right. <laughs> I, I, and we look at ourselves in that, at that age and we go like, Oh my God. And that's w- what we're, what we're um, railing against what we're rubbed the wrong way by in derivative work is that impulse. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't consider avatar having just rewatched it. It's not a derivative work. It's no. not derivative of Fern Gully or Dances with Wolves or A Princess of Mars or any of the other hundred inspirations that go into making it. It is inspired by those things. It is tapping into the archetypes and the tropes of those stories, but it's actually also subversive. We take it for granted now that Natiri is the character that she is, mm-hmm. but in 2009, actually to have the more competent warrior, the more spiritual uh, of the two of them, really like the the hero of the story is Natiri, right? Oh, and, absolutely. And, and Jake is our lens into her world. He's a he's a plot device to get us there. And mm-hmm. in a different story, in a different format, a different medium, I think I think that Jake is not necessary, right? Like I I think that in a in a different so if it were a comic book, if it were uh, even like an animated series or a, especially if it were a novel, I think if it were a novel and we could be inside Natiri's head, mm-hmm. um, they, that we wouldn't need Jill, Jake as a, as a, as a, an avatar. Hey, oh, yeah. I wonder where the name came from. We wouldn't need him. And like, that's the thing is like, that's a literal, like James Cameron takes a, a plot device, not even a plot device. He takes like a, uh, like a trope or like a storytelling device, uh, which is like, you know, taking taking the everyman and putting them into the shoes of of uh, like our sympathetic characters. Right. Mm-hmm. In order yeah. for us to transform and, you know, using that avatar. And he creates he creates a sci fi plot device around that in order to facilitate that story so that we have a wow factor. Right. Of like, yeah. oh, they've genetically engineered these bodies and then they're using a neural link in order to like live life through the, like as, as an experience through this body. Right. Yeah. Um, which is a cool sci-fi thing to do literally just to get us to the, to the, the point of, okay, now we're living with the, the Navi and we're experiencing their way of life. It, it brings the audience along. It's mm. a lot of work in order to do it. And I think that's like <laughs> one of those places where, where it's like, the the structure of the story can kind of lose people because there's Mm -hmm. so much work to get us to that point but it's worthwhile in my opinion um and and again like that's where it's like so many of those things you could consider derivative elements but it's the way in which he borrows uh and steals and and then evolves some of those concepts into into these other things and like the 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 um the imagery and stuff like that that he uses later on in the movie i mean the fact that jake is is piloting his navi body 
right uh, mm-hmm. at a certain point but then becomes one with it at the end of the movie but right but um but Quaritch is we see early on in the movie of like actually I, I think it's literally in his introduction scene he's getting into the mech suit and yeah. we see him meld with the mech suit yeah right so yeah. we're like we're literally shown at the beginning of the movie it's like okay jake's gonna go do this thing with this biological entity that he's gonna inhabit Quaritch is opposed to that he is adversarial to that because we see him literally get into the mech and embody the mech and and it becomes him and he's smoking the cigar and the mech is moving along with him as he does it and we're seeing like that this is like a one-to-one correlation and so if you didn't think that jake was gonna fight him in that mech at the end of the movie (laughs) you were not paying attention right because it's like it's telegraphed so early on um but like i i don't know i just i think like there's so much of that stuff that it's like i think because it's so well done it's like uh, so many of the things in this movie like i've been talking about it's so well done that we get it Mm -hmm. and we get it so quickly that it's almost like it feels too easy people people want this stupid thing where a movie tricks them at some point Right. right. Like the, yeah. the, the mystery box thing. Right. Or oh, like the M night Shyamalan. What a twist. Uh, it's gotta be, we gotta, we gotta get to that point in the movie where all of a sudden everything turns on its head. And I think mm. like that's, it's made straightforward storytelling. Like what we see in avatar, like what we see in star Wars feel like it's on baby mode. Right. Like yeah. to some people, whereas like to me, it's like, but what's, first of all, who's the audience here, right? What are we trying to appeal to? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think James Cameron was trying to make his Star Wars with this. But without a doubt, he was like, this will be my Star Wars. And I think right. it is. I mean, like, there's a theme park, right? Like, it's like, I, think he, <laughs> yep. I think he did it. I think he just has waited too long to follow it up in order to make it like that, in order to keep that cultural impact going. We'll see. We'll see. It's sure. like the... You know, if if he can do it again, then he can do it again, and I hope that he does because because I think it's worthwhile. But, um, but but like there's a there's a certain element of this of the mech suits and the and the 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 creatures and the world and and the battles and the flying on dragons and all that stuff, mm-hmm. like like a lot of that stuff is made to appeal to kids, but more importantly, the kid in all of us, right? Right. Like that. Like those are. You say like he like the 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 idea of the Navi came to him in a dream when he was younger, right? Mm-hmm. And and so it's like it's it is definitely trying to capture that. That's why the 3D is so important in that first movie, because it's it's for James Cameron. It wasn't just about telling a story; it was about inhabiting a world. He was trying to take something that he dreamt and take us there with him. And yeah. the 3D, I think, was so important to that. But again, it's executed so well that that's what people take away from it is that it's well, a theme I, park. That's what you hear people say. It's like, Oh, this is just a theme park. It's like, <laughs> but, it's, but it's not, there is actually yeah. depth and, and gravitas and importance to the story. Um, sure. I, I mean, I personally don't see anything wrong with it being a simplistic story. Like, yeah, you can, mm-hmm. you can make that argument. And I, I suppose it's not wrong, but the thing is, is with what he's trying to accomplish is I have this magical world nobody's been to. I want to take you there. How do I take you there? How's the best way to get you sold into taking it? And, 
you know, a simple to understand, easy to recognize story for such an expensive film is a great way to be like, okay, if you recognize and understand the story, then you're going to go along with it and then pay attention to other things. What other things do I want you to pay attention to? I want you to pay attention to, you know, these creatures, not just that they look weird, but look how they function so differently. Look at how they interact with their world differently. Um, and, and so if you're naturally in tuned to this is how the story is going to go, a part of your brain is like, okay, I can now wander a little bit and in its wandering it's now going to pay attention to this world which is part of the appeal because people said you know i can get lost in pandora why can you get lost well because there's so much rich detail that you can yeah. focus on and pay attention to and and look and be like well that's weird how does it work oh you know oh my gosh the ekron's teeth push in and out almost like a snake's that's so weird um, and the, the way the lizard's wings are disc shaped, you know, that that gives them that propulsion and the tail goes along with it. You know, you're you're allowed to still follow the story while also being allowed to explore. And in that way, you are learning and on a on a more subconscious level because because you are so curious and fascinated by what you are seeing on some level, you're more receptive to what are you being told well i'm being told that this place is worth saving mm. so it, it yeah. works on so many different levels and so i feel yeah. like saying it's just a simple story does it a bit of discredit because it opens yeah. you up to so many other things because it's simple yeah absolutely Absolutely. I, so there's, there's such an interesting element to it of the, the design. And, and this is one of the reasons why it took so long to make the movie is that <laughs> James Cameron wanted the biology of the world to, to feel real and not just like a bunch of, you know, concept artists creating random stuff, but sure. that like you could see, you could see the evolution of the different creatures. The mm -hmm. one place, the one place where it bugs me, is that one of the things that's distinct about the 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 fauna of of Pandora is that the the mammals are not quadrupeds. They're they're uh, I guess what, what would that be like? Uh, uh, it's oh, I forget the term. Hex, hex, hexapods, right? Like they have yeah they have the six legs, six legs yeah. Right. Yep. So which is which is. From our biology on Earth, our evolutionary tree is impossible. Vertebrates mm -hmm. can't have an extra set of limbs. It doesn't work, right? And that's right. the reason why evolutionarily we we don't see that, right? We see that in in insects. Ants. We see, yeah, yeah, right. But we don't see it in in uh, in in vertebrates, right? Right. But but on Pandora we do, and then there's the Navi. <laughs> who are bipedal like uh, quadrupods right like we mm -hmm. they have two legs two arms um they do they do have another 
uh, appendage in that they have the 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 whatever i don't know if there's a name for it the connector things that are in their braids right Um, yeah i don't know if it has a name or not yeah but but like so do the horses right like the horses have those as well so if we're counting those as appendages then the horses have eight right if we count those as (laughs) as appendages um but like so so to me like the navi should have a second set of arms or a second set of legs right like it, it, but True. but i understand why that wasn't carried through because they needed to be more um uh, identifiable to, to humans right yeah and i think that it would have made them just a little bit too alien of like but i also think like from a storytelling perspective there's a cool element there of like like what i like if it were me, and this is this is you know Monday morning quarterback Mike talking uh, so far <laughs> after the fact, but but I've thought about this a lot because I thought because as a designer and as a as an illustrator and somebody who who would love to do concept art like that, um, to me it's like there's a story aspect that you could have had there of the the true Navi have two sets of arms and they're able to utilize them because obviously like their their neural pathways are 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 built to do that but mm-hmm. but in trying to put a human into a navi body they felt like it was like it, it, you know there's a pacific rim sort of thing there of like the neural load is too much of like human beings can't comprehend having another set of mm. appendages because we like our our brains are our, our vertebrate brains are built to have two arms and two legs. Right. So if you throw another one in there, it's like, like then none of the arms work because I, uh, be, because like we, we just, it just gets confused and jumbled in the, in the communication, right. Between, yeah. between the, the, the brain and the nervous system. And the limb, <laughs> you just right? have two arms just like flopping at your side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, like all four wouldn't work because you would be like trying to do something and it would just be like, everything's just wired to the wrong thing. So you'd go to move your arm and just the finger would twitch. Right. Um, and then, but then to have, so, so then, you know, you would have like the, the, the human Navi, the, the genetically engineered ones would mm-hmm. maybe only have like vestigial second, a second set of appendages that don't really do anything mm-hmm. or they would be there, but they would have to like basically engineer them that they like, that they completely don't function. Right. Right. And so then you, you would, you, then you would easily be able to distinguish the Navi that are the human Navi versus like the real ones, yeah which would be nice if we had a little bit more distinction between them. Yeah, um, I, I liked that, at least that nod to the concept yeah. by the fact that they had, you know, five fingers and five toes instead yeah, of four. Yeah, yeah. So. and they wore clothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, right, which was always to me, like, the funny thing is, like, they're making, like, big clothes to fit on them. Um, <laughs> I know. Which, get back to the fact that they're oversized in a second, because that's one of the things that I love about the, about the design. Yeah. But I would have had it that, like, they... they that Jake at a certain point, especially because of the, the, that he's a paraplegic and on all of that. And so it's like, he's, he had those limbs and then lost the use of the limbs. And so he's like familiar with like that sensation. Yeah. And, and so then at a certain point, one of the things that makes him different from anybody else who's ever been in piloted one of these Navi bodies is that at a certain point he does connect fully with his body 
and and those arms like start to come to life. I think would have been <laughs> okay. a really cool, would have been a really cool storytelling device of like of like oh he's different right this it's okay. not that it's not that he's there and he's like adapting to their way of life. It's more so that like actually he was always meant to be on Pandora, right? Mm. Like from a spiritual perspective, he is perfect for this. And like, they do that. They definitely do that in the story, but I think it's more subtle. Um, mm-hmm. So I think like that would have made it something that was a little bit more like, like, okay, okay. Uh, he's, he's meant to be a, a Navi and not human. Um, the, the, the fact that the Navi are huge, the, that they're gigantic compared to human beings, humans are smaller. Um, mm. They don't, they don't get into it enough in the movie, but it is there. And I think it was maybe in like a commentary or maybe in like a, like, like supplementary seven interview or whatever. The reason why the, the animals and everything is so much bigger is because the gravity on Pandora is different from the gravity on earth. Yeah. Not, not enough. They like, and I think it was like James Cameron was talking about. It's like not enough. They not like going to the moon, or when you go to the moon, it's like we we leap into the air. If we were to go to Mars, we would find that that our that our 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 bodies, you know, are are differently adapted to it, right? Which mm-hmm. is a, a a concept from a princess of Mars, John Carter, the first superhero, the first super powered hero in storytelling, uh, goes to Mars and finds that his strength is like three times what what the 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 native inhabitants of barsoom as they call it uh, uh would be because he's built for the more uh, uh, intense gravity of earth so mm. he's stronger on mars right uh he can leap tall buildings in a sing- single bound i wonder where siegel and schuster got that from um, <laughs> again like nothing is original you guys uh, I, except for maybe actually this concept was original when Edgar Rice Burroughs came up with it, but I, I, yeah. You got to so, start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, but you can like, that's another one of those places where I'm like, obviously James Cameron was inspired by a princess of Mars, obviously, mm-hmm. because he was thinking like, and the gravity is different. And the fact that the gravity is different means that the biology is different. So everything's bigger on Pandora because the gravity is lesser. Right. Mm-hmm. So so animals are able to because the thing that limits the size, uh, there are two things that limit the, the, the size of, of of life on Earth in our uh, uh, era. Right. That's mm-hmm. actually different from when dinosaurs were around. And that's our gravity limits the size that something could possibly be because like mass like we can only support so much mass mm-hmm. Our um the other thing is our our atmospheric makeup, right? Yeah. So uh, this is a thing that's never addressed in Jurassic Park, but but in my eyes, really should be, um, <laughs> is that one of the reasons why dinosaurs were allowed to be as big as they were is that the composition of the atmosphere was different back then, and mm-hmm. so their bodies were able to process uh, uh, like the, the different gases. And I can't remember what it is. There's something that, that there is more of. I think it's nitrogen. I think it's a higher concentration of nitrogen back then than there is now. And so like sauropods were m- more efficient at processing uh, nitrogen and were able to, to or, I mean, and we don't really know because dinosaurs are dead. So this is all <laughs> our guesses, right? 
yeah based on fossil records and whatnot but but like the the assumption is that because of that somehow biologically they were able to take advantage of that and it, and that was partly like, in the way that we are able to to process oxygen and all that that like they they could process oxygen but also the nitrogen and and nitrogen has more energy in it than oxygen does and mm-hmm. I, I mean somebody tell me that i'm wrong about all of this stuff and correct me and i'll talk about it when we do perfect 10 jurassic park but <laughs> that, when if you tried to genetically engineer a dinosaur today you would have to account for the fact that you'd have to figure out how to make them not lethargic they would be they like they would basically be be tired all of the time in the same way that like if we go up to the top of a of a mountain right like and there's less oxygen there like yeah. we have to take oxygen with us right like mm-hmm. to climb k2 or everest right yeah because at a certain point our bodies are like oh there's not enough of this concentration in order for us to function right mm-hmm. um but that's another one of the things that like james cameron puts in there is that the 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 atmospheric composition is totally different and that allows these animals to be totally different it's not just oh we're going to go to pandora and because it's a goldilocks planet like like earth where all where it sits in this zone where all of the things are because that's in in sci-fi so much of the time we go to a planet that supports life and we assume that it supports life because it has oxygen and it has these things that support Terran life, terrestrial right. earth life, right? But that's not that doesn't have to be the only path. That's it's to me that's such a fascinating sci-fi thing of like but what if there was a a a, a chemical component an element that was more prevalent on this planet or moon in this instance and that's why life was able to flourish because life evolved along these lines to process this thing. And because of that, somewhere along the lines, the lower gravity, the different atmospheric composition, vertebrates were able to evolve a second set of, of like four limbs. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and, and so, you know, you end up with, with a completely different evolutionary chain there and you end up with Jaguars, with uh, antennas and, uh, and and two sets of front paws and it's awesome and it's super cool i i yeah i it um let's talk a little bit about way of water sort of okay. uh, like what we've seen so far and uh because i think like this is a good place to transition into it because we're obviously sure. we're gonna see a completely different um culture a completely different tribe uh mm-hmm. and and uh uh a different biosphere within Pandora. Um, And this is what has me the most excited about it. I love whales. I have since I was a kid. Um, Mm. Like I love dinosaurs. I love whales. And I think that the reason why (laughs) I love those two things is because dinosaurs, we obviously, we cannot see. So it's just, it's our imagination. Right. Right. Um, And then with whales, they live in this completely other environment that we can't, here pun intended we can't fathom right because the ocean is just such a mystery to us it's like i i that same time period of fern gully and dances with wolves there was a great television show uh maybe it wasn't great but i loved it called sequest yes with the talking dolphin (laughs) with the talking dolphin and like it was right in that zone with like you know free willy and all of that and i was just at that impressionable age 
And I live in Vancouver. I, I live in Vancouver in British Columbia, and we're right here on the coast. And and whales are a big part of our iconography yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. And lots of orca pods go through there. Yeah. Not as many as there used to be, but it's it. You know, it kind of yeah. it, it's hopefully rebounding. But um, but that like as a kid, I was so fascinated with with whales, especially like in particular orcas. Mm. And I I. And lo and behold, this next avatar is like, hey, what if what if there were like dinosaur whales? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'm just like, I'm just like, yeah, what if we took those dragons from the first one? Those those reptilian dragons uh, uh, that, that we had in that first one. What if we made them underwater dragons? <laughs> um, and I'm just like and they're like dolphin dragons now. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I think all of this is a very very good idea, um, mm-hmm. and I'm like you know conceptually I'm like yeah sure sure this all sounds really cool and and again it's been 13 years and James Cameron was talking about this stuff right after the first movie came out and he was like well the next one takes place yeah. mostly underwater like yeah. like literally he like in in the press junkets he was like the next one takes place mostly underwater and mm. obviously like i think that is why it's a 13 year gap is that he's been trying to figure out how do we make this one that takes place mostly underwater and the technology yeah. is finally there so i uh, if you were if you were smart and fortunate enough to go see it in the re-release um uh, you were treated to a scene from the way of water and mm-hmm. exactly what i was hoping what would happen happened which is that like car and i sat through avatar had our, had ourselves a good time uh and then it's like and now here's a clip from the way of water and the clip that they that they put on the re-release was just like it's very smart choice um it just like it a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent sold me on this next movie <laughs> of like, like look, uh, maybe the story is going to be trash. I don't know. Who cares? It really doesn't matter because I just want to go to this specific world that they showed this right. one scene of, and it's, it's, um, I believe it's meant to be one of one of uh, Jake and Natiri's children, and he's sort of forging mm-hmm. a bond with this this massive it's kind of like a humpback whale and a dinosaur combined. Right. <laughs> and it's got, it has, it has. Yeah. I forget what they called it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's this great scene of him. Like it's been, it's been hurt by something that the humans have either yeah, now harpoon. brought or have left behind. It's basically, yeah, it's got like a harpoon through it's through one of its, its uh, pectoral fins. And so this other, this new character, he, he helps it. He, he gets it, get, takes mm-hmm. it out. And, and creates this bond with this animal. Um, and the life in this very clearly CG, like only very clearly because of the fact that it's so fantastical, right? It's like, this is mm-hmm. not real. This is not real. But the the artistry and the wizardry, I mean, this, there's, there's a reason why it's called Industrial Light and Magic. We talked about that on our Force Perspectives episode, right? Um I that, like that that magic part is so important in ILM because yeah. like you see this animal and you're like this is a real thing this is real this is a yeah. real thing this isn't they went there they went there and they filmed that and so I'm just like like yeah let's go like I uh, I'm a little bit worried about the story I am because yeah um 
not to spoil anything, but the trailers are very much, if you read between the lines, Nateri's going to die in the first act of this movie. I, you think I, so? Oh, 100%. 100%. All that stuff. So the first act of this movie is going to be when the kids are younger. Uh-huh. Like right after they've been born. I think or not because there's age gaps, but, but like the most, the youngest one, which I think is yeah. the one that helps the whale. Right. No, uh, the, right. the one that helps the whale is their oldest. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So they have, they have know. three, they have three children and then they yeah. have, um, Sigourney Weaver's character that they actually adopt. And then they adopt in the human kid Okay, yeah, yeah. called spider. But yeah, it's, it's the oldest one that's, um, communing with the whale okay i uh, i think so there's this whole sequence of of jake and natiri uh that's in a bunch of the trailers it's like this attack at night on like this ship on the ocean sort of yeah thing, right? fire and whatever she's gonna die in that in that sequence i, oh, I hope because because <laughs> we don't we don't see her with the older kids in any of the trailers mm. and there's this like there's a there's very much a vibe in the stuff that we've seen so far of like Jake having to like start a new life with, yeah. with the, the kids with this water tribe and them being uh, like the outsiders. And so it's like it's got the like uh, single parent moving to a new town and the kids like having to learn to fit in at the high school sort True. of thing. And I'm a little bit worried that like that that's going to overshadow whatever the other story is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that there's going to be just a little bit too much of the like teen angst stuff in it that it's going to feel a little bit played out. But, um, you know, like, I don't know, it, it could also be handled skillfully and, and, and balanced with the other stuff. But but my worry is that there's just going to be a little bit too much of the like, you know, uh, stop telling me how to live my life, dad sort of thing. And, and, and that stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and the, the other thing, the other thing that points me in this direction is that the, the daughter has the bow at, at a certain point in one of the trailers. And that bow was her father was Natiri's father's. It was two uh, mm-hmm. uh, Right. Yeah. And, and it gets passed down and the way that it gets passed down is when somebody dies. So, uh, and, and like, there's a moment in the trailer where Jake, where she's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, what do you feel? And, uh, it's like, well, I, I can feel her heartbeat and like, what does it feel like? And that sort of, and so like, it's like that. I think she's dead. I think she's, she's, she's with the, the great mother and all of that stuff. Well, if you pay it, if you pay attention, I think. I don't think that necessarily has anything to do with Natiri. Um, Cause if you watch the way in some of the trailers, so the, the character you're mentioning in general is their adoptive daughter, um, which is oh, played okay. by Sigonia Weaver. Um, my theory. You think it's talking about, about it's Awa. Yeah. Movie? Yeah. Oh. So my theory is, is that she is an embodiment of, the nature spirit like a physical avatar manifestation so so james cameron's use of the avatar was actually first conceptualized by the hindu gods and goddesses taking human form and um uh awa of course is their goddess and so when grace dies in the first avatar you see her consciousness 
go th- pass what they call through the eye of Awa. So she is now a part of their collective tree spirit. And so later when Jake goes right before they, you know, battle the human army, he speaks to the planetary spirit, like the Gaia, essentially the Gaia theory. Um that, you know, look into her memories sort of thing. And so somehow or another, um, this reiteration of grace has passed through the eye of Awa and has been reborn in this adopted child. Um, and so I get the sense that she now has this extremely deep connection um, mm. to Awa. I'm going to I'm going to be slanderous and say it's like this form of like there is the form of God and then there is the physical manifestation in Jesus sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cause you can see, you know, she has that special connection when she touches like their pink glowing seaweed in the trailer. And when she's speaking to Jake about, you know, I know you think I'm weird, but I can feel her, her, you know, her, her heartbeat is mighty. The fish circle around only her. Everything is connecting with her. And there's a scene where they're being attacked and she kind of does like this Kamehameha hand push and the little dots that are bioluminescent for them um, intensely glow. And, and, you know, she's a, she can feel particularly special in this, um, particular sea life clan so i think that's what's happening with her not so much that teary dies but that she is in tune with the goddess and is interpreting and responding to its will so okay yeah you i i here's the thing the trailers that we've gotten are very vague. So they are, I, they really are like intentionally, which I love. I, I think it's fantastic. Cause I'm going into this movie with like, I, I phantom menace vibes, right. Of like, I think, <laughs> I think maybe I know what this is. And it's like, we were all wrong about the phantom menace. It ended up right. being a totally yep. different movie. As a matter of fact, all three times that a prequel came out, it was like, we saw the trailers and we all thought we knew what we were talking about and then watched the movie. And we're like, that was Wrong. different. I, 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 and, and so I love it. I, I like, yeah, take me for the ride. Um, do you think, cause I think that one of the things that's going to happen is that like, cause we've obviously had this big time jump in and, and it makes mm-hmm. sense because it's been 13 years since the first, since the first film. So like, let's have a time jump um, in order to stay sort of contemporary, even though we don't really need to, because most of our characters are CG and we can do whatever we want. Um, for example, Sigourney Weaver can play a character younger than, uh, than right. um, she can play uh, an 11 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Than Sam Worthington. Right. So, yeah. Um, uh, which I think is, is really interesting. I, I, I feel like, and one of the reasons why I think that they're going to, they're, they're going to kill Natiri off is that I think that also like at, at a certain point, like Jake is also going to be removed from the story and it's going to, we're going to move past the, the, the those characters that, that were like right. our, our our portal into the world and mm-hmm. eventually move into a, a place in the story where like the our lead character is you know pro- i mean i'm guessing probably this sigourney weaver character right. if she is a chosen one archetype right that mm-hmm. that like and especially if the you know the movies are called avatar and she is an avatar of 
the 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 spirit of pandora right then um you know then she she becomes the eponymous character uh, (laughs) uh, which i mean like jake was in the first movie right so yeah um i i yeah it feels like it could be because i if i don't see how we get five stories out of jake and atiri Right. Like just like I like I personally think that like their story is very much the first movie. And Mm -hmm. and and my hope is that like this one is like a transitional one that gets us into the next three movies. And the next three movies are really like in the same way that I would say um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is so different from Dawn and War. Mm -hmm. I I which are like like and Rise is just like Rise only exists and it's so different because like we got to get to Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. We need to set all of that up in one movie so that we can have Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and then more for right. the Planet of the Apes. And I really feel like that we needed one more. We needed one more of those movies with Andy Serkis <laughs> and Caesar. But we're, I will get we're going to get um actually they just talked about it recently that that the I think they put a date on it the next one which is really and and showed us an image, right? Mm-hmm. Um I love those movies so much. So I, I, <laughs> well, I, I think, I think, cause I know James Cameron said that this one is pretty much about fa- you know, family as a whole and yeah. then what that's like for being threatened. And he's mentioned a little bit about um, as far as their children go, what it's like to, you know, grow into your own person. So we can kind of see that some in the trailers uh, with Sigourney Weaver's character saying, you know, she feels a little awkward and unsure. Uh, We see the oldest son in this most recent trailer, just this past Monday night, I think it was, um, where, you know, he's clearly coming to this new tribe. And and so the clan leader there is like, okay, if you're going to live with this, you got to fit in with this. And so his oldest son is clearly kind of going on a, how to fit in journey just like he did in his own way and then um he also was has touched on you know what's it like for two warriors to become protective parents and so that will be jake and terry's defining struggle for this second film is how do you fight evil while still caring for your children and protecting them you know obviously you want to shield them away from it but the oldest son is like, you know, I'm a warrior just like you are. And so it's kind of accepting, you know, at some point a loss of parental boundaries and allowing them to become their own person. And I know um, James Cameron said that, you know, obviously depending on how much money this way of water makes as to whether or not three or four will get released. He's mostly done with three and seeing how this goes, he's getting ready to start four um, in New Zealand, and he did say that within the grand arc of things, the the third film will probably be its darkest. So, an upcoming death, whether it's in the second movie or the third movie, is definitely going to happen. Um, you know, I'm sure somebody's going to be dead by the fourth one if it ever happens. But yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I, I'm hoping not. I'm pretty fond of Natiri, but. That's just me. Well, and that see, like to me, like that's that's why I say that I'm a little bit worried about the story because that's the vibe mm-hmm. that I'm getting, and mm-hmm. and I feel like that would be a real disservice to to that character because I do think yeah. that she is the strongest part of the first movie, and so if you were to remove her and like again, so so this is my thing is like there's a little bit of criticism of the original, in the sense that 
um, there's there's some white savior stuff going on, right? Sure. Of like like oh oh uh, it's uh, it's you know the 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 white man human has to come and in order to save the uh the navi they wouldn't they wouldn't have been able to do it themselves and so you mm-hmm. know he's a chosen one savior figure because he 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 rides the 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 oh my god i forgot the name again taruk <laughs> taruk okay yeah uh, he, he become he takes on the persona of taruk makto yeah yeah and i i I feel like it would not be a lesson learned from that first movie and that conversation if James mm-hmm. Cameron were once again like and for the for the purpose of this story I'm going to fridge Natiri mm-hmm. and f- so that we can focus on Jake and his relationship with his children right it, it, like mm-hmm. it would just be it would just be leaning into the wrong side of that in my opinion mm-hmm. so that's where I'm a little bit worried about it but um, but like I I'm hope I hope that I am proven wrong and that that's not. Yeah. I think, I think with James Cameron's track record, I honestly think if anyone would die, it would be Jake. Um, Simply because for one, even though it definitely set up as the white savior thing and he does in the end, leave the clan in all the points of what a white savior would come in and do for the most part, he actually fails (laughs) Mm. in the fact that like, you know, he goes in and he learns their ways, but at, like in the end, he's not telling them, you know, how to fight this enemy. He's just leading them. And the fact yeah. that he leans on Sute a lot, like, yes, in the end, he takes Sute's place. But for most of the part, he defers to him. You know, it's not here I am. I'm from this other thing and I'm going to tell you how to save yourselves or I'm going to save you you know, for you, he takes on their role of the Turuk um, Makto, which is strictly their own thing. It's him just trying to get reaccepted through their own traditions. It wasn't yeah. something he did on his own. He's not, you know, taking their bows and giving them guns and teaching them how to shoot. He is allowing them to do their own thing. Um, you know, at the end, his, his plan to save the people actually fails had Awa not stepped in to call mother nature to save her creations the navi mm. he would have failed i mean they he would have yeah. lost and in the end even his battle with quaritch which is supposed to be him fighting he fails at that too it's natiri that finishes him off so even though he definitely feels that white savior role he does a crap job of it <laughs> um but as far as jm cameron's films in general go it's always the strong mother that for the most part makes it and leads the generation of children into the future and the fathers die it happens in you know in terminator the original terminator reese dies it happens in second in terminator 2 where you know, um, Schwarzenegger becomes the sort of, you know, surrogate father figure. He ends up dying anyways. Um, Ripley ends up making it, is the mother figure, the warrior mother figure in Aliens. Um, you know, in Ti- Titanic, Rose is the one that still lives at the end of the day. So if, I, if somebody's going to have to okay. die, I feel like it's going to be Jake because James Cameron loves his strong moms. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I, you've convinced me, you've convinced me that I'm wrong. I, you know what it is? Like, I, I've just, I've watched so many stories and, and like, obviously I use the return, the, the term that she would, you know, that, that she'd get fridged. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so, I'm so, I, uh, I guess like gun shy of that trope. Sure. That, that, that maybe I'm like seeing zebras where, where they're just, uh, horse they're just prints, horses. Right? Um, <laughs> So uh, I wish that I knew the an- the names of the animals in in uh, uh, Avatar better, so that I could have used an actual like the, you know. Anyways, I uh-huh. I but they're all ridiculous animals in Avatar, so they <laughs> wouldn't work. But uh, anyways, I I yeah I like I you you've you've convinced me that that I'm probably <laughs> wrong, um and and I do and I do sincerely like I genuinely hope that I am because I just don't want to see that type of a narrative mm. in this like. I, 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 and Zoe Saldana is awesome. I think she's so. I, yeah. Zoe Saldana has been great in a bunch of stuff. She's great in Star Trek. She's great in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, she's great in so many different things. But I feel like this is the role, and she doesn't get recognized for it as much because it's not her face. But right. this is the role I feel that she like puts the most of herself into. She's. Yeah. She is so vulnerable in the in in the original film, like the like the the emotion and like the really the thing I think that characterizes Natiri the most is that she wears her emotions on her sleeve, whereas the rest of the Navi are very controlled and very um, uh, concerned with appearance. It's it's a really funny thing that that like. There is mm-hmm. a lot of that in in the first one, uh, especially because like one of the only other uh, characters that we that we spend a lot of time with is Sute, and Sute is like so like like I I just because the archetype of the of the character that he is, he's so like concerned with looking cool, right? Like I think of the, right. the sequence with with Jake learning to ride the horse, and where like he embarrasses him and stuff, and it's like it's so the like the like oh nice nice bmx bike from the from the cool guy in a right. in a car in like a in like a convertible right, right. um like a, a karate kid type moment <laughs> you know i i he's he's yeah he's got the uh well uh, so he's de- uh, Suke is destined to be you know the clan warring warrior leader yeah. and and they even say you know natiri is destined to be the next Sahit, which is the spiritual leader but in you know obviously she's very spiritual she's you know reading the the signs of the the tree spirits coming around jake so she gets it she believes in it she understands it but mm-hmm. at her heart she is a warrior like her father yeah and so yeah. i don't see her necessarily stepping into a okay i'm gonna step back and be a shaman you know she's yeah. very much i i am the driving force i'm gonna take it you know, by force rather than just standing back and letting someone else do it. Um, totally. That's just who she is. And and you you can see Zoe Saldana loves this character and loves these films and mm-hmm. loves what they have to say. Because when you watch her interviews, her energy is so different. Yeah. So, so but she, she as, has nothing as, to as prove. She to, is who she to, is. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to her like casual indifference to Uhura, uh, <laughs> I like, yeah. Mi- yeah, not yeah. not so not so much from the first movie. I feel like in the press for the first movie, she it, there was a lot of like reverence of like getting to play this character. You know, Uhura is obviously like historically such an important character for for black women and all that. And I think that she sure, took it like Michelle that, like, Nichols, yeah, in absolutely. the first movie. 
but then but then i think i think uh for into darkness she was like this she was done Uh, and then with beyond it was like it was like mm. which like a personally beyond is my favorite of those of those star trek films because it's Mm -hmm. the most like classic trek but i i but but yeah like you got you got the feeling in those next two movies that she was like i'm contractually obligated to continue playing uhura so i'm gonna keep um i but yeah but with natiri i think yeah there's a there's a connection there so so i want to see her keep playing that character i want i want to i want to see that character get older and and uh and age and and become something else right yeah. Well, well, you know what? Day. That that's her that's her bonus is she embodies both roles. So Yeah. Yeah. So if her partner gets killed off, she's able to be spiritual and clan leader until her children can take over. So Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, I mean and and honestly, I kind of just hope that Jake does die in this movie because <laughs> oh, no. I find him to be I find him to just be so I I uninteresting as a character. I just, like even on oh. even on rewatch, I was like, because I'm trying actively to engage in the movie, and I'm like, sure. just by the end of it, I'm just like, he's there. He's definitely there. I uh, he 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 does what he needs to, and you know, he is the archetype that he is, and and it all works for the story. But in terms mm-hmm. of like characters that I wanna that I want to um, look up to or or you know like hang out with, he's not he's not it. He's not it. There are other characters in the movie that that um, that I love so much more. I I Norm Norm is a character that I feel does not get his due. I he like just like from the get go, like at the beginning when he's like, sure, you know, like I've only been studying for this for the last like six years and learning the language and the biology of the planet. It's like you don't even know anything about anything. You just get to come. It's not fair. It just sort of the the um the just the sort of petulant nature of him at the beginning to where he ends the movie i i i you know like like ready to fight and take yeah. on a little bit of that warrior spirit himself yeah um I, it was I great love, to see I, I think it's so good uh but uh yeah cool i mean we've we have now talked about this for over an hour and a half <laughs> uh, i which most of these episodes are about an hour so i i feel like we did it i feel like Sweet. i feel like we I feel like we've got it. Um, I, it was awesome to talk to you about Avatar. Yay! Uh, really, here's 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 what I'll say. I really mm-hmm. hope that the Way of Water is great, so that we can come back and do another perfect ten about the Way of Water at some point. Uh, oh, I hope so. <laughs> so I hope it's a, like that's my that is my sincere hope is that it will be a perfect ten. Um, but you know, Ghostbusters is a perfect ten. Is Ghostbusters to a perfect ten? Not so much. I, I <laughs> you know, but hey, we can play fast and loose. But I, I, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really excited for the next one. So, so thank you for helping me uh, reinvigorate this, uh, this franchise, in, 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 at least in my mind's eye, for, from my personal experience. Um, awesome. And, and I'll, and I'll leave you on this. I'll leave you on this, Cara. Okay. Although she was bored for the middle part of the movie uh-huh. and a little bit traumatized by the final act and uh, the big, the big battle sequence, but you know, kind of came around to it by the end mm-hmm. when we were in the Lego store a couple weeks after seeing it, now, <laughs> there's all these Lego sets now, right? Yep. 
Yeah. And she sees the Avatar ones. If she saw the Thanatar one first and was like, Dad, Dad, look, isn't that so cool? And I was like, Yeah. She's like, Can we get it? And I was like, I was Aww. like, Not, not today. And, she, and she, I was like, But Christmas is coming up. And she's like, Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then, and then she saw the one with the 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 smaller dragons, mm, uh, the Karans, uh, yeah, 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 and was like. And was like, oh, I want that one. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> much better choice. The Thanatar is cool, but like, come on, we want these. Yeah. And then she saw the one with 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 uh, Taruk on it, and she was like, that's the one that I want. And I was like, okay, well, I guess put it on your Christmas list. So she did. Uh-huh. Uh, and I didn't look at the price tag on it. Oh no. <laughs> it's a two hundred dollar Lego set. Oh my gosh. I, uh, in Canada, at least, it's a pro- It's less there for you guys, but but I'm sure um, it's still a lot, still, though. It's I'm sure it's still like 150 dollars for you guys. Oh yeah. Um, and so I like we went to we went shopping for for she won't listen to this. She don't we don't have to worry about. But nobody tell me. <laughs> I I we went shopping for Christmas presents. I, 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 friends and family Toys R Us. Crystal and I both used to work at Toys R Us. So we get invited every year to the like after hours friends and family, I, I, shopping event. um, Oh, nice. From, from one of our, one of our, our past coworkers invites us every year. So that's when we do all our Christmas shopping. We do for the girls. Right. Mm. So we go and like, it's on the list of like, Oh, we get the avatar Lego set for Kara Cause that's what she asked Santa Claus for. I hope no kids are listening to this. I, <laughs> I, Santa Claus told me to go get it. Yeah, there it you is, go. There you go. I, I, just, it's okay. Just I helping text him out. Santa all the time. Yeah, it's, I, 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 I love helping Santa. Um, <laughs> so, so it's on the list, and it's like we got to get it, and and so I go and I and I and I go to pick it up off the shelf. There's no price. There's no. It's not tagged. There's no shelf Ooh. tag on it. So I take it and we go to over to the price checker and, and, or Crystal took it over and she comes back. She's like, it's like, I think it's like one eighty nine ninety nine. Um, so not quite 200, but almost. Right. I, and I was like, Oh, Oh, that's like her whole Christmas budget. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, nope, nope. That's not the one. So we, so, but we did get her the, the, the one with the, with the, the smaller yeah, one, the smaller ones, and it's, yeah. there's two of them, so it's not like it's only one. You get two in sure. that one, so um, sure. But yeah, so so hopefully, hopefully she still is enamored with it after we watch Way of Water, and then it's a good and choice. then on Christmas Day, uh, she'll she'll be excited to open. That yeah, but, when when we went to Disney, when we went to Disney World, and we did the little Pandora Land, I ended up getting like yeah. a little figure of the Ekrons, and you pull its tail, and it you know opens its mouth and it screams, and I have it hanging in my office and and so anakin will walk through and he's like oh mom it's the thing that the blue cat people ride that screams and you know he takes it down and pulls its tail and like flies it around for a second and he's like okay here's your toy so i love i i love that the the uh uh, the design of those things is that they're just they're they're um they're biological x-wings yeah Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. I, if I were to ask James Cameron one question about Avatar, it would be like, did you do that on purpose? Was that like a, they're going to fly X-Wings, but their X-Wings are dragons? Because if, uh, if he did do it on purpose. Then bats. Bats. Uh, he bats said he, he themed them off um, bats. Mm-hmm. Well, I, they have an X-Wing formation, and so that makes <laughs> them super cool. Yep, dragonfly bats. I think is yeah. what it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. 
Um, I, uh, I'm going to call them X-Wing dragons. I, Go for I, it. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> awesome. That's it. We'll wrap it up there. I, I, where can people find you on the internet if they want to, if they want to, uh, you know, t- tell them about your fan fiction. And sure. All that sure. Um, so if just for social fun interaction, you can find me both on Twitter and now hive. Um, my tag is 87 zoo lemons. Um, and then if you're in the mood for either elder scrolls online or, Star Wars Raylo fan fiction. Um, you can find me under Danny D A N I E dash Marie M A R I E on Archive of Our Own. Awesome! I uh, thank you so much. For, yeah, thank you uh, for being on Perfect Ten. I, I and and uh, if anybody wants to hear more of of us talking about uh, specifically Star Wars, then go mm-hmm. listen to Force Perspectives. There's some older episodes of Faster, More Intense that are also on that podcast feed. Uh, I, but uh, as always, it's been a pleasure uh, talking <laughs> talking with you on a podcast. Kinda so much fun. so that we're Thank almost you. two hours. Um, <laughs> and uh, and we'll do it again. We will do. We'll absolutely start thinking about what your next Perfect Ten is. Look, I will. I, uh, Marie Claire and Ty already know what their next episodes are. It's just oh, a matter of me scheduling them. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I look forward to awesome. it. Awesome. The, the, the next perfect 10 that is on the schedule is I, 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 oh my goodness. With Steve Stebbing, I, mm-hmm. who's a friend of mine. Um, I, from a local, actually he was local. Now he's in the Okanagan, but uh, I think he's in the Okanagan, but I, I Steve is a huge movie buff. I uh, like, 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 you know, like one of those guys, like he, he makes me look like I just kind of like movies. He's one of those <laughs> types of guys. Okay. Um, and we're going to talk about Scott Pilgrim. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, which I'm super excited. I'm super excited to talk about Scott Pilgrim with, oh. with Steve. So that's the next one that's on the schedule. That I'm said, looking forward to it. I said, <laughs> MC has already told me what her next one is and we might record that soon. Uh, and Ty already has one. And then I've got like three or four other friends that are all like, I, uh, Kyle Avery from, uh, the saga continues and, and, uh, rebel cells. I, uh, my, co- one of my co-hosts over on rebel cells, uh, we're going to do rings of power at some point. Cause I oh, fell okay. in love with that show. I loved it so much. Oh my God. Was rings of power. So good. <laughs> it reminded me that I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, which I had forgotten because, it became fun to bag on Lord of the Rings because the Hobbits movies were the Hobbit movies were so bad. Mm, um, mm. But, but those Lord of the Rings movies, it turns out I th- actually, I think they're actually pretty good. And the Lord oh, of the Rings yeah. itself, like the novels are obviously amazing. Yeah. So I, yeah, it, it reinvigorated that in me. So, so it, like, this is the thing about perfect 10. It is such a fun podcast to do that I want to do more of it and my friends all want to do more of it. I, and so I've just, we've got so many things lined up. Um, that's exciting. And I, that's why I really, really, really want to hit that Patreon goal. If we can get it up to two fifty a month, then awesome. I can justify doing two episodes a month instead of just the one every four weeks. Right. So every two mm-hmm. weeks instead of every four weeks. Nice. Um, and like we've got there's 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 a desire for it on the guest side, which has not been the case with other podcasts I've done in the past. But okay. like people who've been on, they want to come back, which is yeah. awesome. It's because I think 
like I said at the beginning of this, like it's just it's just it's fun to talk about things that we love. Right? Yeah. To just like oh, get yeah. into it and have a have an, an avenue to 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 do that. So and when people um, enjoy talking about it and are having fun themselves, it's fun yeah. for the listener, too. So exactly. Exactly. So yep. uh, with that, once again, uh, thank you, Danny, for, for being on this. Yep, it's no so problem. much fun. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you, all of our Patreon supporters, for supporting us there. If you want to become a Patreon supporter, go to uh, patreon.com slash thunderquack. Uh, that, and th- that, th- those train whistles in the background are us uh, being told that we have to finish. We're done now. <laughs> I, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's life. It's real life. You can't do anything about a train. I, I, awesome. Uh, thank you guys for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. <laughs> Thunderquack Perfect 10 is hosted by me, Michael Cohn. Follow us on Twitter at ThunderQuackPod, on Instagram at ThunderQuackPodcast, on Facebook at ThunderQuack, and join us on Discord at ThunderQuack.com Discord. Support the podcast by heading to Patreon.com ThunderQuack to get early access, bonus episodes, and the ThunderQuack Perfect 10 pop quiz. ThunderQuack Perfect 10 is part of the ThunderQuack Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.